Father in heaven, we come in Jesus' name to thank you and praise you for the the hope, the eternal hope that we have in him. We come to worship and to give thanks to you for just the ways in which you speak to our hearts each and every day through your word, by your spirit. We thank you that you're committed to that, that the work that you've started in us, you've promised to bring to completion until the day of Christ. So we ask, Lord, in this time, as we look to your word, that you would speak your word into our hearts, into our lives, and transform us. Draw us ever closer to you, Lord, and help us to live by the truth that you reveal. We ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Joe Biden's first speech as president-elect centered on his intention to bridge the deep chasm of bitterness and division in our country. In that speech, Biden avowed to work as hard for those who didn't vote for him as those who did. And he called on us, he called on the fact that this grim demonization uh, in America come to an end. And yet today we see that divisions persist. It is like a rampant plague on the citizens of this great nation. We are no longer acting like one nation under God, indivisible with liberty and justice for all. No, there is sharp division. And we see the signs of it. We put labels on it. We recognize the obstacles of it. And we even politically skirt around it. We try to avoid it. Or we just talk about it or write about it. But one thing is clear. We never get to the root cause to resolve it, to heal it. Just as we read in the gospel reading today, even during Jesus' day, there was division. And the people that Paul is writing to in Ephesus also know about division. In fact, the major division in his day was between the Jews and the Gentiles. And there were strict separations and obstacles of alienation on both sides of this great divide. Farthest from their minds was any notion of any sort of reconciliation for these combative groups. No notion of even thinking about humbly praying and singing praises and worshiping and serving the one true living God. Such a union was utterly impossible. In fact, Paul brings it up 
this great divide in helping these Ephesians to understand what they were before they were in Christ. And he brings it out in verses 11 through 22 of this particular chapter of Ephesians 2. Paul makes it clear to us by his statement here, remember that you were formerly as Gentiles in the flesh, that the Ephesian church was mostly comprised of Gentile people. And that these Gentile people were formally alienated from the Jews. Spiritually, because they were pagan idolaters in their belief and practice. And even when the Gentiles tried to seek God in the temple in Jerusalem, they were excluded from entering the Jewish court on penalty of death. In fact, in Herod's temple, there were signs posted to that effect. Whereas the Jews, they knew that they were God's chosen covenant people. They were entrusted with the law of God in belief as well as practice. In God's covenant sign of circumcision in the flesh, for the Jews, mark them even socially in such a way that it divided them from the rest of humanity, the Gentiles. And it produced enmity between the Jews and the Gentiles for thousands of years. As Paul pointed out here in verses 11 and 12, that the Gentiles were formally alienated from God in five significant ways. They were alienated from God, from God's covenant, and from the the sign of the covenant. They were alienated from God's deliverer, the Christ. They were alienated from God's chosen people, Israel. They were alienated from God's promises, which ultimately led to eternal life and fellowship with God. And they were alienated from God's hope, being separated from God in their unbelief as they lived in the world. You see, Paul describes here those alienations in the way that they actually fleshed out among the heathen people. In Romans chapter 1, verses 18 through 32, he tells us that they suppress God's truth in unrighteousness, that they defiantly reject glorifying God or giving thanks to God, that they exchange the glory of God for idolatrous images of created things. This is probably one of the most damning things, he says. They exchange the truth of God for the lie. They abandon morality for immorality. They try to remove God from their thoughts. They become haters of God. And doing every sort of evil thing, they know that their lifestyle is deserving of death. Yet, 
they approve others to join in and to do the same things. The root cause for our division in our world today, then, back then, as well as now, is the sin nature that leads to death. And it fuels this selfish pride that causes us to reject God and do things ourselves. Whether we be far away from God as Gentiles or close to God by family ties or or covenant ties as the Jews, we must face this fact that it is not our differences neither culturally, nor economically, nor physically, nor biologically, nor politically, not even geographically, that is the chief cause of this alienation. It is our sin that separates us from God and from one another. You know, one of the things that struck me this week from the American Family Council was this article that the nation's largest teachers' union just committed to push CRT in classroom. You probably heard about it. What is CRT? It is a divisive, racist ideology that identifies all persons as either oppressors or victims, and it's solely based, solely based on the color of their skin. These are the types of divisive measures that man will take in their rejection of God's truth. So how do us as sinners so alienated from God become saints, citizens of God, part of God's household? Is it by keeping the law of God? Surely it's not. It is not that at all. Because Paul presents to us in verse 13 what causes the alienation, and the barriers to be broken down. For he says here, but now in Christ, you who were formerly far off have been brought near by the blood of Jesus Christ. What the world needs now is not just some uh, kind of love and, and let's get together and let's tolerate one another. What the world needs now is Jesus Christ as their Savior. You see, God does deal with the root cause of our division. What breaks down the barriers that have been set up because we are sinners and we cannot keep the law is the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It needs to be preached, and it needs to be believed on by sinners. Christ's sacrificial death, his life's blood shed on that cross, atones for the sins of his people. 
It's trust in Jesus Christ alone for salvation that reconciles man to God and man to man. As Paul brings out here in verses 14 through 16, he says this, For he himself, Jesus Christ himself, is our peace. He's the one who made both groups into one and broke down the barrier of the dividing wall by abolishing in his flesh, through his sacrifice, the enmity that existed, which is the law of commandments contained in ordinances, so that in himself, in himself, he might make the two into one new man, thus establishing peace. And then might reconcile them both into one body to God through the cross, having put to death the enmity. Jesus Christ, and in Him alone, He's the only one that could break down the barrier of that dividing wall that existed between Gentile and Jew and between the divisions that are present in our world today. Only Jesus Christ could put down that enmity that exists. How did he do this? Well, when he came into this earth and became man, sinless and spotless, he was able to meet all the requirements of the law of God for us. And then as Redeemer, he paid the full penalty for our transgressions in his body on that cross so that God might be both just and the justifier of the ones who come to him through Christ. When that happens, the assorted differences that make up humanity are no longer those impregnable barriers of division. Instead, they are bridges to understand the immense diversity of God's master plan of salvation in Christ. As God had told Abraham long ago there in Genesis chapter 22, he said this, that in your seed all the nations of the earth will be blessed. As believers, both Jew and Gentile, we are no longer divided. For we have been made new creatures in Christ Jesus. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. The old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. 2 Corinthians 5. He has made the two, the division that has existed between man and, and God and man and man. He has made one new man. He has established peace, lasting peace. And he has reconciled us in one body to God through his cross. 
He's put to death the enmity. So that we are no longer to be identified as um, by races or by ethnicity or, or, or what. We, uh, in this case, Jew or Gentile. We are all fellow Christians. And it's only by God's grace and this gift that he gives us of true saving faith in Christ that demolishes the prideful barriers of division. Being united with Christ, believers have endless peace. He himself is our peace. He's not only our Savior, he is our peace. Therefore, if we confess with our mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in our hearts that God has raised him from the dead, we will be saved. For with the heart a person believes, resulting in righteousness, and with the mouth he confesses, resulting in salvation. For the Scripture says, whoever believes in him will not be disappointed. For there is no distinction between Jew and Gentile. For the same Lord is Lord of all, abounding in riches for all who will call upon his name. Whoever will call on the name of the Lord will be saved. And this is the message that Jesus came and preached. He says there in verse 17 and 18, And he came and he preached peace to you who were far away and peace to those who were near. For through him we both have access in one spirit to the Father. Jesus Christ, the Prince of Peace, came proclaiming this good news of peace with God to Gentiles as well as Jews, those who are far away and those who are near, that through him and through him alone, both may have access to God the Father in the Spirit. The blood of Christ has removed the enmity and the barriers of sin. He's opened wide the way so that we might have free access to God the Father by faith in Him and through the Spirit that indwells us. Paul wrote about this in Romans chapter 5, verse 1 and 2, where he says, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Finally, he brings out here that since we have this salvation in the Lord Jesus Christ, since we have this peace and the, en the enmity has been uh, demolished, he says this, So then, you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints. 
You are of God's household, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ being the cornerstone, in whom the whole building, being fitted together, is growing into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are being built together into the dwelling of God in the Spirit. In Jesus Christ, we are no longer strangers and aliens. We are made one, one new man, one body. We are fellow citizens with the saints. We are part of God's family. And we're built on a solid foundation of the prophets and the apostles with Jesus Christ as the chief cornerstone. Jesus Christ as the keystone unifies this entire spiritual superstructure of the church for God's habitation. We are the living stones that are being built up into this holy temple in the Lord. We are being built together into a dwelling place for God in the Spirit. As Paul wrote about there in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 16, we are the temple of the living God. He says, and coming to him as to living stones um, in 1 Peter chapter 2, Peter says, as living stones rejected by man but choice and precious in the sight of God, you also as living stones are being built up as a spiritual house for a holy priesthood to offer sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. That's who we are as believers. A holy priesthood to serve our God, to offer acceptable sacrifices to God through Jesus Christ. As such, we as members of Christ's body, the church, are called to broadcast this great news of salvation, of peace with God, and peace with our fellow man. We are called to broadcast this everywhere, imploring them on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. And we, as members of Christ's body, not only need to proclaim this good news out to others, but we need to apply this good news by being reconciled to one another within the body of Christ. For there were then... And there are now many instances 
of division within Christ's church. All you have to do is look in the book of Acts and you can see how Jewish believers, Jewish Christians, cause division among Gentile believers in Acts chapter 15. You can even see it in the leadership where Paul has to rebuke Peter for not showing a distinction, for showing a wrong distinction between him being a Jew and the Gentile believers by not partaking of the same food there in Galatians 2, chapter 11, uh, chapter 2, 11 through 21. May God give us and bless us to be peacemakers in this world and partners of one another, forgiving one another as the body of Christ. By this, Jesus said, all men will know that you are my disciples in the way that you love one another. Jesus Christ is the one and only Savior. He is our Savior if we have put faith and trust in Him. We we all were alienated from God. But by God's grace, through saving faith in the blood that Jesus shed on the cross of Calvary, we who may have been far off in our sin have now been saved and brought near. We are at peace with God, reconciled to God, and given God's gift of eternal life. Jesus Christ is also our peace because Jesus Christ's atonement for our sins has torn down all the barriers and has put to death the enmity between us and God. Now in Christ we are reconciled back to God and Jesus is our mediator between us and God. Our great high priest that we can put our faith and trust in. Our advocate before the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. And Jesus Christ is our chief cornerstone. As believers in Christ, we are no longer strangers and aliens, as we've heard, but we're fellow citizens with the saints. We are part of God's family. We're built on a solid foundation. And we're growing into a holy temple in the Lord that is to become the dwelling of God in the Spirit. And since this is true for the Ephesians back then and for us today, let us continue in that process of being built up in our faith and in our walk with the Lord. Let's take the admonition that the writer of the Hebrews gives us there in Hebrews 10, where he says, Since we have confidence to enter the holy place by the blood of Jesus, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a sincere heart in full assurance of faith. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. 
And let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as we see the day drawing near. Jesus is our Savior, our Redeemer. He has destroyed, demolished the barriers and the enmity between us and God. Jesus is our peace. Jesus is our cornerstone. As the people of God, let us live in the light of these truths so that we might be built up to be a holy temple unto God. In Jesus' name, amen.